TII item 413, November 23rd, 2016. iOS 10.2 beta 3, an interview with Donovan Brown from Microsoft. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. This episode is sponsored by Away. Go to awaytravel.com slash TII and enter promo code TII to save $20 off the best luggage you've ever owned. Today's episode is sponsored by Texture. Go right now to texture.com slash TII to get your free trial. Welcome to the show. I'm your scrub, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Bruce for sending in the music you hear in the background. Bruce wrote, Hi Rob, here is a song I made back in 2014 using an iPad Air and the GarageBand app. It is called Waves. Regards, Bruce. Well, thanks, Bruce, for the music. And folks, I'll put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Stephen for sending in the artwork for today's show. Stephen wrote the following. Hi Rob, I took this photo with my iPhone 7 Plus using portrait mode and used over to add TII. Hope you like it. Keep up the great work. Regards, Stephen Luke. Thanks, Stephen, for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Steve's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 413 or at Instagram.com today in iOS. And also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at Facebook.com slash today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Sorry, Apple, the BlackBerry Z10 is hotter than the iPhone. Unquote. Jesus Diaz, Gizmodo, 28th January, 2013. Seems someone at Gizmodo was a little too biased after Apple banned them from events. Either that or Mr. Diaz was just really clueless. Because, I mean, come on. 2013, picking a BlackBerry over the iPhone? Yeah, it's either incompetence or malice. One of the two. For promo codes on episode 412, we offered up chances to win codes for the app Dumber League. If you're interested in winning promo codes for this app or want more info, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 412. This week, we have promo codes for a couple of apps. The first app is System Util Dashboard. Three different words there. Here is the review from the devs. Quote, Greetings from the App Home Dev team. Today, we proudly presenting you with the app System Util Dashboard. System Util Dashboard provides effective battery, memory, and network monitoring for your iPhone and Apple Watch. It is simple and elegant interface, makes everything super easy and crystal clear. Check your real-time activity, inactivity, memory, with visual status, display, display detailed network info like sent, receive data, or connection speed. Get easily manual battery, maintenance, alerts, alarms, and notifications. Also, you get a 3D touch-enabled quick action menu for your convenience. With all these and more, get stylish visual representation of your device at any given moment and become the true master of your device. Thanks for hearing us out. Hope to see you folks in our community over 1.6 million people now. Unquote. Well, thanks to the devs for their review of their app, System Util Dashboard, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, please send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put system in the subject line. Promo codes are only good till the November 30th, so I'll be sending these out before Thanksgiving, so hurry up and get them in. First come, first serve. We also have promo codes for the app My Card Lists, one word, and here is the review from the dev. Hi Rob, 
With the holiday season coming soon, I wanted to tell your listeners about my app, My Cardless, which will save them a lot of time with their Christmas cards, etc. My Cardless lets you print the names and addresses to label sheets, so there's no more having to write the envelopes out by hand. It can be used for other mailing lists, holiday cards, club mailing lists, wedding, party invitations, you name it. You can also use My Cardless to create sheets of return address labels. You can customise the labels with images or photos, such as Christmassy icons. And with this feature, you can even use My Cardless to create custom labels like homebrew or produce labels. Names can be added from your device's context, so if they're already there, creating lists is so easy. Although if you prefer, you can enter the names manually. My card list allows you to use an alias for the name on the label, so Mr. John Smith from Context could go on your list to say the Smith family. And once your list is ready, you can use it year after year. My card list also lets you record the cards received, so you can check if someone has stopped sending to you. Maybe do likewise to them. So, have a look at my card list. It could save you a lot of time. Well, thanks to the devs for their review of their app, My Cards List, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for My Card Lists, please send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put lists in the subject line. As always, just send in one email for one specific app. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, well then, no soup for you. A quick reminder, if you're an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes to give away or more. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author up front. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Some good news and some bad news for those of you with an iPhone 6 Plus and suffering from touch disease or will be suffering from touch disease in the future. The good news, Apple has finally admitted that said issue exists. The bad news, they said it was your fault. Or from Apple, quote, Apple has determined that some iPhone 6 Plus devices may exhibit display flickering or multi-touch issues after being dropped multiple times on a hard surface and then incurring further stress on the device, unquote. The better news, it will cost you $149 to fix the issue that Apple feels you are responsible for, assuming your screen is fine and not broken. If it is not fine and it is broken, it'll cost more. I would just like to know exactly how it is that thousands of people are all able to drop and mishandle their phones the same way to cost the touch disease issue and it not be a design issue. Seems rather questionable per Apple's response, just saying. For those that don't remember touch disease, this is where there's a little gray bar across the top of the screen on the iPhone 6 Plus, and it becomes non-responsive to touch input. There is a link to the post on apple.com titled Multi-Touch Repair Program for iPhone 6 Plus in the show notes for episode 413. At the bottom of the article, it says, quote, the worldwide program covers affected iPhone 6 Plus devices for five years after the first retail sale of the unit, unquote. So that means we are a little over two years into the five-year window. September 2019 would be when this offer is over. Hey, we're up. Scott from Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill. Well, soon I will not be Scott from Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill. I will just be Scott from D.C. Things change, and uh, after January, I will no longer be working on the Hill. But like we say, Rob, let's make America great. Speaking of great... Let's talk about how great Apple is. Great segue. Apple, the other day, I've been having problems with 6S Plus, and this is the one I told you I never got insurance, never got anything done, and I've been having issues with the 
screen going black and uh, the screen locking up and things of that nature. I called Apple and I said, look, I'm out of warranty. I never bought an Apple Care or anything like that. And the uh, phone has been glitching and has like software issues. It's no damage. It's never been wet, anything like that. And they looked at um, my account and noticed that my warranty was over for, let's say, 30 days, some manufacturer warranty on the hardware or software or something like that. And they sent me out a new phone. Is this the great? I mean, is this great? I mean, how great can this get? No warranty, no Apple Care, nothing. Just called them on the phone, told them that my manufacturer warranty, whatever, just expired 30 days or so ago. The phone's giving me issues. They, I was very polite and everything to the person on the phone. Supervisor came in and said, hey, Scott, we got you. Send you out a new unit. Re- return that one. And, you know, thanks for being an Apple customer. So at the end of the day, things change. But Apple makes America great. Take care, Rob. Love everything you do. Scott, sorry to hear about your changing status in D.C., but thank you very much for the feedback. Now, touch disease is not the only thing Apple is offering up a new fix for. There is also the issue where some iPhone 6s would suddenly shut down for no apparent reason, and in some cases, not come back on. We had a few people email in and call in about this issue before. From Apple, quote, Apple has determined that a very small number of iPhone 6s devices may unexpectedly shut down, This is not a safety issue and only affects devices within a limited serial number range that were manufactured between September and October 2015. If you have experienced this issue, please visit an Apple retail store or an Apple authorized service provider and have your device's serial number checked to confirm eligibility for a battery replacement, free of charge, unquote. Apple said this is in a support article titled, iPhone 6S program for unexpected shutdown issues. Also from that article, quote, Note, if your iPhone 6S has any damage, such as a cracked screen, which impairs a replacement of the battery, that issue will need to be resolved prior to the battery replacement. In some cases, there may be a cost associated with the repair, unquote. In other words, you best repair the screen before bringing it in for the shutdown issue. What is interesting is that Apple support article announcement came less than a week after a Chinese consumer watchdog group reported this issue. Apple was also quick to say, and as you heard in that quote, this is not a safety issue, i.e. not a Samsung Go Boom issue. One other rumor on this issue was that it was caused by bad third-party chargers that are damaging the batteries. And this is why most of the failures with the issues are coming from China, where fake and low-cost third-party chargers are in great supply. But doesn't sound like that's the issue now from Apple's official statement. Sounds like this was more a design issue, but maybe that design issue is that they're susceptible to damage from third-party chargers. In any case, Apple is offering up repair of the battery, and maybe there's some circuitry changes that are going along in that battery to, to make it work a little bit better with third-party chargers or whatever was the cause of that damage to the battery. There is a new lock screen bypass, and not surprisingly, this one involves using Siri. We have said this before, and we'll say it again. If absolute security is required for your device, then turn off Siri from the lock screen. And yes, in this case, if Siri is turned off from the lock screen, the bypass no longer works. That said, as this issue goes all the way down to iOS 8, 
and all the way up to iOS 10.2 Beta 3, expect a bunch of updates shortly to fix this issue. But in the meantime, if security is job one, then turn off Siri from the lock screen. And no, I'm not going to go through how it's done. It's multiple steps, but it is repeatable. I will include a link to a YouTube video that shows this bypass in action. Oh, and yes, this does require physical possession of your iOS device to do the bypass. So it's a hands-on bypass. It's not a remote bypass. And did I just say iOS 10.2 Beta 3? Well, yes. Yes, I did. And iOS 10.2 Beta 3 was released last week. Of course, with any new betas, squashing bugs is job one. But there were also some changes. And some of the key changes are, one, the fuzzy peach butt emoticon is back. Okay, it's not technically called the fuzzy peach butt emoticon, but if you see it, well, then you will see it. There are other emojis additions as well. Apple's supporting Unicode 9, and yes, that includes the new selfie emoji. Wow, so exciting. Two, Apple introed a new app called Feedback, which is for beta testers to report feedback. The SOS feature is now removed in Beta 3. Well, unless you live in India, where it's still available. 4. In the Settings app, for the TV app, there are now Settings options, which include allowing the user to choose whether or not to use cellular data for playback, and there's some other additional new features there as well. 5. There is also a TV app widget now available. 6. In the Messages app, there is a new Send with Love screen effect option. That will, well, send a heart along with a text message. And seven, video apps, or the video app has been removed completely in the U.S. Now, remember, the TV app is for U.S., so that's why the video app is now removed. You can still reload the video app back onto your iOS device if you want it. You can get it from the App Store. In general, it is felt this last update is either the last one or the next to last one before 10.2 launches to the public. They might slip one more in there, November 28th, 29th. If they don't slip another beta in there, then expect the next week for iOS 10.2 to most likely go live. Black Friday in the U.S. is this Friday, and Apple has been hinting that they will have some specials this year. While Apple has not said specifically what those deals will be, just to come back and see on Friday, Others are spilling the beans already on what their special deals will be. Right now, Best Buy, Walmart, and Target have all shown in their advertisements special deals for the following products. iPad Mini 2, just $200 at Target and Walmart. iPad Air 2, you save $125 at Target. iPad Pro 9.7-inch version, you can save $150 at Target. The Apple Watch Series 1, just $198 at Target. And the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus, you can get some big gift cards if you get a payment plan. So it's like $250 uh, gift cards at either Best Buy or Target, depending on where you got it, if you meet certain requirements. And then the MacBook Air for $799 at Best Buy. Also look for some other get a big gift card or a decent sized gift card deals to come out as well. As always, start checking for many of these deals to kick off on Thanksgiving, not just on Black Friday. So the Walmart and the Target and the Best Buy deals are actually on the evening of Thanksgiving, the 24th, not the 25th, where the Apple deal is going to kick in. Also, if you're looking for accessories, lots and lots of accessory makers will have special deals of their own 
on their sites and at amazon.com. So you want to start checking around Thanksgiving and then again on Friday the 25th for some of those online deals, especially if you're looking for new wristbands or a new case or a new keyboard. There will be lots and lots of Black Friday deals, headphones, Bluetooth headphones, seeing all kinds of emails coming through for a lot of different products. And if you are looking for a gift for that special someone in your life, I want to say we're happy to have Away sponsoring us again. To save $20 on the best luggage, go to awaytravel.com slash TII and use promo code TII. Away sent me their carry-on bag earlier this year. I'm still loving it. It has a 10,000 milliamp hour battery pack built in that will charge an iPhone 6 or 7 five times. The best part is you can charge it as you're walking through the airport or waiting online or even in the restroom or in my case last week, walking around New York City. But beyond the battery pack is a great bag and meets all my requirements as a traveler or frequent flyer. Wheels under all four corners at Swivel 360, making it easy to get down the aisle and smooth flow in the airport and even over bumpy streets. And it is double wheels under each corner, something I really like. It is lightweight and very, very durable and comes with a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, they will fix it or replace it for you for life. I mentioned I was in New York City. I was actually all over the city. I walked over 10 miles in three days, according to my Apple Watch, and my away suitcase was with me the whole time, and it held up great. I'm talking from Wall Street up to Midtown, then out to Tribeca, then over to Chelsea, and over to Penn Station from there. That is not some smooth ground. I mean, we're talking about a lot of cracks and bumps and bruises that that suitcase had to go over, and the wheels held up great. No dinks or chips or cracks on the wheels. It's one thing to go through an airport, but completely another to do 10 miles of sidewalks and streets in New York City. Still not convinced? Well, there is a 100-day trial. If it's not for you or the significant other in your life, then just return it for a full refund, no questions asked. I love when a company stands behind their product like that. The Away bag comes with a charging cord and comes in a really nice laundry bag. And on the inside of the bag, there is a bag for your shoes as well. They really looked at all the details in making the best carry-on bag I've ever owned or seen. Even the shipping box has a nice away travel artwork on the inside. Very, very Apple-ish. In addition to the original carry-on, they just added a second, slightly larger carry-on, and they also have a mid-size and larger check-in bags, but only the carry-on bags have the battery pack. To save $20, go to awaytravel.com TII and use promo code TII. Again, awaytravel.com TII and use promo code TII to save $20. This will make a great Christmas present for the frequent flyer or even the infrequent flyer in your life. Hi, Rob. Uh, Thomas from Malibu. Listening to uh, Ben in episode 412, I think his phone wants to do Wi-Fi calling, and so it keeps on saying, prompting him to choose that during the phone call and not at other times. That's just my guess on that. Talk to you later. Bye. I love the show, too. Tom, thanks for the feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. On episode 412, a listener asked about dealing with dot, dot files. There's a free app, WinMail.Opener. It can open these types of files. You simply tap on the attachment in your email and then open it in this app. From there, you can read or save the PDF or dot to dot .doc or whatever file. I use this app almost daily as most of the people emailing me with attachments at work are using Windows computers. However, as more places switch to Gmail, this problem is gradually going away. This app is free, but I paid the 99 cents to remove the ads to help support the developers as well. 
Your show is invaluable to me. Keep up the great work. Regards, Bruce. Well, thank you, Bruce, for the great feedback. And folks, I'll have a link in the show notes to winmail.opener. Hello, Rob. This is Justin from Pennsylvania. I know you're always looking for uh, stories uh, from people that have uh, to deal with the Apple Store. And kind of a positive one. About a week or two now, my my phone had stopped. Um, the vibrating function just stopped. Uh, it was on silent, whether I was using the 3D Touch, no matter what. No feedback whatsoever. You know, I restored it, tried all the things I saw on Apple Forums, took it in, and after about 20 minutes of them looking at it and trying their own little diagnostic stuff that they do in the store, uh, they gave me a new phone. Uh, it's uh, just great to um, know that if something does go wrong, they stand behind it. It's nice to walk out with uh, a phone and with iCloud and everything. It was pretty quickly my phone again. It's just great. I, I don't know that a lot of other people on other phones get this kind of uh, ability to do that. This was very positive, and I I have to say it was, other than the fact that the Apple Store is an hour away, it was a very uh, very quick and easy experience. So just wanted to share that story with people, and I guess anyone else is having that problem with the vibrating on their phone like I did, I, I have a 6S Plus, they will place it for you. Uh, you know, pretty much that's what they did for me at least. So just figured I would share that with anyone, and it's, uh, it's great. All right, thanks a lot, Rob. I love the show. Thanks. Bye. Justin, as always, thanks for your feedback. We are now over 3,500 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode that has had lots of comments came from Herman Botha, who posted the following, quote, I'm getting an Apple TV 64 gig with two SteelSeries Nimbus controllers for the kids 11 and 8 years old for Christmas. Can anyone give me recommendations for multiplayer games for Apple TV? I searched online, but need assistance. It seems some multiplayer games require another iOS device for the second player, unquote. Steven replied, quote, Can you use more than one game controller at the same time with an Apple TV? I seem to recall you are limited to using just one game controller at a time. I hope I'm wrong, unquote. Steven, thankfully, you are wrong. You can use up to four simultaneous controllers. Crossy Road is one multi-controller game that my boys seem to like a lot. There are a few different racing games that they also play at the same time, but really the one that they're waiting for, and hopefully it'll be multiplayer, is Minecraft. Folks, what are some of your favorite multiplayer games on Apple TV? Shoot us an email, give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or send that email to todayinios at gmail.com. And folks, since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts and comments in the TI Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboy's free zone and a spammer free zone. Yep, is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 3,500 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Lots and lots of articles that Apple is going to make the iPhone in the US came out in the last week or so, or it seems at least by the titles of those articles. Some, like that from Computer World, titled U.S. iPhone Factories Designing California Made by Machines, makes it sound like it'll be happening. Um, no. Well, no, not anytime soon. Seems a lot of the articles go back to reports that Apple asked their contract manufacturers what it would take to make the iPhone in the U.S. Many think this is a result of recent U.S. election results, but it actually seems Apple asked both Foxconn and Pegatron, their two main contract manufacturers, to put together a plan on what it would take to make the iPhone in the U.S. And they asked back in June, and 
Pegatron decided it had more important things to do, like build the current iPhone 7s that were on order in China and get them ready for launch in September. Uh, you know, so they decided, eh, we're not going to give you a plan. Foxconn, however, appears to have complied with the request. That said, Terry Gao, the chairman of Foxconn, said, quote, making iPhones in the U.S. means the cost will more than double, unquote. Now, mind you, that might mean their cost, not the cost, the final selling price. So he's probably just talking about his cost of manufacturing. And either way, it doesn't sound very promising. The issue is right now, manufacturing of new iPhones takes over a million assembly people. Then there are support engineers and more. That is just not possible to duplicate in the U.S. No way, no how. You cannot find any pool of workers close to that number willing to do the type of job at a wage that will not kill on the costs. Just not going to happen. The only way to manufacture at a lower cost in the U.S. or at a low cost, it's not going to be lower, but a low cost in the U.S. is via robots. Lots and lots of really smart and flexible robots that can learn and change how they manufacture for each new product launch. But even then, that is a lot of robots and not something we're even close to yet. Under the category of really? Apple released a new product, a book. No, not a MacBook. A book book, as in paper and binding with a cover. The book starts with 1999's iMac, and it's a picture book, but hey, let's listen to Apple talk about it. At Apple, we've always strived for innovation. There was the iBook, the MacBook, and now the most advanced book we've ever made, the Apple Book. It's 450 pages of high-resolution images of Apple products you probably already have in your basement. Using the latest and most innovative technology from 1440, we were able to take an experience that was instantly familiar and charge $300 for it. Its touch page technology allows you to simply swipe your finger on a page to turn it. We also wanted to make a completely intuitive experience. So the Apple Book's pages are sequential. 60 is followed by 61, which is followed by 62, followed by 63, and so on. Plus, its revolutionary state-of-the-art design is perfect for when you see a spider. Simply put, we considered the tiniest details in this book, like the cover and the pages, and that's pretty much it. The new Apple book, it's the future of Apple, and you know it's the future because no headphone jack. Okay, maybe technically that was not from Apple, but it could have been. Kudos to the Stephen Colbert show for that clip. Like they said, if I want to see a high-res image of Apple products, I can just go in my basement and look at the hoard of old Apple products I have down there. There's a new study, or really an updated study from Blanco Technology. Their latest version finds the iPhones fail more often than Android devices. From the study, quote, While iOS devices running social-oriented third-party apps like Instagram and Snapchat are more likely to crash, Android devices were more likely to crash when running more basic system apps such as Address Book and Google Play Services, unquote. However, what is not really explained in this report, well, clearly that is, is their definition of a crash is any app failure or drop call or any other issues. And more importantly, that failure rate appears to be from looking at devices using their apps to monitor other devices. 
and the percent of crashes is not leveled for the amount of time on devices, or it doesn't appear to be. So if you use the iPhone 10 times more than the Android device, and per hour it crashes half as much as Android, it still will show as crashing five times more often than Android, which is why the top Android crashing devices were Samsung's, the only Android devices that actually seem to get used. This also explains why Android users had more crashes with native apps because that's all they use. So all this data and results seems a lot like Linkbait. And hey, Linkbait worked. But really, the methodology from what I get looking at the reports is highly questionable, if not just downright complete BS. I did send them questions about how they measured crashes. Are they from devices running their software and crash reports are from ops or are they from observations and manual reporting from the clients where their software isn't on there. Because here's my concern. If it is about their software that gets installed via MDM, uh, via the IT departments of users, is it not possible that many of the crashes could be caused by their own software and a conflict with third-party apps just not getting along? So maybe what we're really looking at is that their software is less reliable on iOS devices and causes more crashes than it causes on Android. Just saying, but that's a possibility. We'll see uh, if that is the case and that's how it worked. At the time of this recording, they had not replied back to my inquiries. Hey, Rob, say it ain't so. Regards. Well, from a lot of people. And this is per rumors that Apple is considering coming out with digital glasses because, well, Google Glass proved that there's a market for looking like a dork. We can only hope this rumor is based on nothing more than someone not realizing it is not April 1st because, really... This would be a really bad joke any other day. This is Ricardo from California. I just wanted to uh, give you a, some feedback on my experience getting a 7 Plus. I have been waiting for a very long time to get one of these, about a month and a half. And so I decided to just forget it and go to T-Mobile, see if they had any like expedited shipping, and they did. So they said they could send it to me in a week, and it would get there in a week as opposed to the three to four weeks that Apple was offering for the iPhone 7 Plus matte black 128 gig. So I got mine yesterday after I ordered it the Sunday before that. It was a week and two days in getting here, but it's definitely better than three to four weeks, and it's working great. I earlier said that I was going to get my phone for the larger screen size so I could more easily type and for the audio quality, and I have to say that I was right on both counts, the audio quality on the... uh on the on the iPhone 7 Plus is amazing in terms of the speakers. The stereo spread is really nice. It's even better than that of the iPads because of their close proximity of the speakers' close proximity. At least the iPad Air 2 and iPad Minis, because I know that the iPad Pro 9.7 inches and my uh, iPad Pro 12.9 inches have four speakers, so that's different. But I am impressed with the audio quality. I really like the speed of this phone and. It seems that the reasons for getting the 7 Plus over the 7 were well justified. So there's my different perspective and its feedback on why getting a 7 Plus is a better choice. Thanks for all you do. I love the show, and I will talk to you later. Bye. Ricardo, thanks for the feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. We need some help with this Kickstarter project. Things are turning bad if you read the comments section below. One person has posted a link to their Facebook page's Snaps, Snap Charge Sync, and it hasn't had an update since June of this year. 
The Kickstarter page last updated was September. There is now a Facebook page, Snaps Customers, and they are not very happy. Can you help us find out if Snaps is a scam or a company with awful communication skills regards Thomas? Well, Thomas, I sent multiple emails now to them on an update to find out what's going on, and all I've gotten is autoresponder replies. So far, nothing from them. I even sent them your comments and concerns. And so far, I would say it's not looking good, or they are really, really bad communicators. I mean, that's possible, but I would not be holding my breath waiting for these. Uh, doesn't seem likely. Most likely, it's not going to happen. Probably a 90-plus percent probability that Snaps is dead. Sorry. If they do ever reply back, I will update on a future episode. Hey, Rob. Danny from Arkansas. Hey, Daylight Savings Time has ended, what, a week or so ago, and when that happened, I did my normal ritual of going around the house, setting all my clocks, and I take that opportunity to set them all to exactly the same time, or within a few seconds, so they all agree. And uh, normally, I go to uh, the clock app, go to World Clock, and I use the clock from my area, which shows the time, and it has the seconds. So you can get the uh, time set a little bit more accurately. Otherwise, you'll have one clock a minute ahead, one clock a minute behind. But anyway, this time it, no, it didn't appear. No seconds. So I've looked through settings. I've messed around with the clock app. I don't see a way to get settings on it anymore. I called uh, Apple Care. Get this. The uh, Apple Genius that I talked to on the phone doesn't even use an iPhone. I thought that was just wrong, actually. But anyway, he was uh, tried to be helpful, and he put me on hold and asked somebody who said, oh, they didn't see how to see the seconds either, so there now. So anyway, I thought I would ask you and your listeners, if uh, is nobody else seeing this problem? Uh, is there an easy fix? Is it just more functionality that Apple decided we didn't need and they took it out? Or what? Want to get your opinion on that. So, uh, oh, you can go to the, uh, you know, the home screen and the, you see the clock face on there. It does have a second hand that goes around, but it's very small. I mean, it's better than nothing. But I used to like the clock app, which showed the clock faces with the second hand. And uh, now you can only get a digital clock, which is fine with me, as long as it had the seconds. I noticed on the iPad, though, it's okay. It's all still there. Anyway, just wanted to throw that out, see what everybody thought. Thanks for the show. Have a great day. Hey, Rob, this is Danny. Follow-up from my last call. Something I thought was a little humorous. When I called uh, AppleCare, the guy kept me on the phone for five minutes. I kid you not. Because he wasn't convinced that the clock app was a stock Apple app. I'm like, it's a stock Apple app. That's when I found out he didn't have an iPhone. I said, do you use an iPhone? He said, no, I sure don't. I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe you wouldn't be familiar with the clock act is. <laughs> sometimes Apple does a phenomenal job, and sometimes not so much. Have a great day. Danny, thanks for the voicemail message. My guess Looking around, from what I can tell, you're really going to have to go to a third-party app, something like Alarm Clock for me, or uh, there's Alarm Clock for free, the number four. These are apps that have a clock that has a second, and it's digital clock with the seconds. So again, Alarm Clock for free, or uh, Alarm Clock for me, both of those are free in the App Store. And there's many others out there that you can find. Just search for clock in the App Store. You'll find a lot of third-party apps that have the second hands. Uh, 
if you want an analog one, or seconds if you want a digital one. Folks, if you have any favorite clock apps that you would like to recommend, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-1-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. This week, we have a Kickstarter project I had hoped would be much, much further along. It is called $350 Braille Display and Braille Keyboard for iPad. It has a goal of $40,000. It has raised 80, not 80,000, 80, as in 80.00. I think the issue on this is that they say it's a $350 keyboard, and then when you go over to the options to fund it, the price of the keyboard starts at $400. So something right there does not jive. They describe it as, quote, a very low-cost tablet-based refreshable Braille keyboard, single or multi-line Braille display, and keyboard cover for iPad or tablet, unquote. I'm not going to go over all the details as, well, with just $80 raised out of 40 k and only 10 days to go, sadly, this one will not happen. Funding on this goes until December 3rd at 4.44 a.m. Central Time. Link in the show notes for episode 413 for $350 Braille keyboard or just search for $350 Braille display at kickstarter.com. Thanks again to Texture for supporting the show. As I've said in the past, Texture is essentially the Netflix of magazines. You get access to over 200 of the top magazines. We are talking binge reading. Sweet! Some of my favorite magazines are Macworld, Wired, Popular Science, and Fortune. And thanks to Texture, I've gotten into them more than ever before, all in one place with the Texture app right there on my iOS device. Plus, I also get access to PC World and PC Magazine, two I would not normally ever think of paying for, but occasionally find an article that's beneficial for the show or just interesting. That is the beauty of Texture. You get access to over 200 top magazines covering every niche with your subscription. And Texture has gone beyond delivering just the magazine itself. They've made it easy to find and enjoy the articles you want to read with daily recommendations, exclusive interactive features, videos, and more. Texture is normally $9.99 a month, and you get over 200 magazines. But if you sign up right now at texture.com slash TII, you'll get a free 14-day trial to check it out. The magazines look great on your iPhone and iPad, and that means you have access to all the magazines anytime, anywhere. And here is what I really like. You can search for a topic across all the magazines. Search for a podcast and sort by the newest, and I can keep up to date on my day job. Why on earth would you subscribe to just a couple of magazines when you could have all of the best ones on your smartphone or tablet all the time for way less? Sign up at Texture right now and gain insider access to all the content from the world's best publications, and no trees were killed to bring you these great publications. It's all just bits, man. Once again, go to texture.com slash TII to get your free 14-day trial, and let me know what some of your favorite magazines are. Hi, Rob. I was the one who called in with a review of VidAngel back in the past. I was surprised and disappointed that only days after my review, I learned of a lawsuit filed against them. Based on the initial news reports, many were quick to assume VidAngel was in the wrong. However, they strongly believe they are justified in their business case. I recommend watching this video, as it is both informative and entertaining regards Jeff. And Jeff, thanks for the link. And that is to vidangel.com slash invest. And it is a good video. And they had a mini round of funding where they were looking to raise $5 million for the legal fees. They felt $5 million could take their case to the Supreme Court. Well, they actually raised a little over $10 million, So I guess they can do two trips to the Supreme Court, or they can travel first class on the one trip. 
I like what they offer, which is a way to allow the consumer to filter out content that the consumer is not comfortable with for themselves or their kids. Typically, it's about the kids. I know my 10-year-old wants to see Matrix, and well, there are some words in there that I don't think he's ready for. VidAngel offers a way for him to enjoy the Matrix and other good sci-fi films that are R-rated where they're not actually R-rated when he watches them. will be interesting to see where this ends up. By the way, I saw a really funny VidAngel commercial. If you go and find it, find the VidAngel commercial that goes over Game of Thrones. You can look on YouTube for it. It's actually a really good commercial. And if you're a Game of Thrones fan and you have kids, you'll get a good laugh. Hi, Rob. Long-time listener, second-time responder. I just recently made an app that is live only in the Apple App Store, and here it is. If you would like to cook or bake uh, and have an iPhone or iPad, then you are going to love this new app called Recipe Convert. When you are cooking anything from an online recipe, that recipe is preset to make a certain amount of food, meaning you have to make exactly that much, unless you want to convert that recipe to your desired amount. If you want to convert it accurately, you probably need to use a calculator. And even if you do that, translating cups and tablespoons and teaspoons can be tricky. This new app does this all those calculations and conversions for you, then displays it right back into the recipe so it's easy for you. It's a brand new concept, and get it now while it's still free. Two words, recipe, convert, in the Apple App Store. Thanks, everyone. Regards, Christopher Meehan. Christopher, thanks for the heads up on your free app, Recipe Convert. Folks, look for the link for that in the show notes for episode 413. Hey, Rob. This is from San Francisco. I'm wondering if anyone in the audience has used Apple Pay on the London Underground Transport for London Services with an American with an American credit card or American debit card. Thank you very much. Enjoy the program a great deal. All right, all you American Anglophiles, have you ever been over to London and have you used Apple Pay on the tubes there? Let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Yesterday, when I checked my calendar, I saw an ad for $20 sunglasses. It appeared as an invitation to an event in my calendar. There was no way to directly delete it, and when I checked, I saw it had been sent to a large range of randomly generated emails. I knew if I selected deny, the spammer would get my actual email address. I have attached a link to the solution below, Basically, you create a new calendar. I called mine spam. You then move the invitation to that calendar. Then you delete the calendar. I'm hoping that this does not become a popular method of spam as it requires some time to deal with. Hopefully sharing this with your readers will allow them to solve the immediate problem of having spam in their calendar. Thanks for everything. Regards, Bruce. Bruce, thanks for the heads up on that. And Joy, joy, happy, happy. Wow, the spammers, you guys are just so inventive. Hi, Rob, this is Kim from Salem, Oregon. I just wanted to say that I have a 2014 MacBook Air, and all these ports disappearing is the reason why I'm never going to update to another MacBook, because all these dongles make it impossible to really do anything and I loved the Apple event especially the accessibility comments that was awesome especially the very beginning of it when Apple had that little commercial where it talked about using voiceover and all the different accessibility aspects of the computer the phone and all that it was awesome the first time that that's ever happened actually in an Apple event I think and I had a question about the TV 
app that will probably be coming to the Apple the iPhone at some point. Um, I know that for the developers and the public beta people, it's already there. I saw a YouTube video about it. But what I'm wondering is, if you don't have Apple TV, can you still use the app? Can you still, like, watch shows and stuff? Because, you know, I have a bunch of videos on my phone in the videos app, which will become the TV app, apparently. And I was just wondering what will happen with those, you know, videos. Will I still be able to access them? Probably, because they'll be in the purchase section. But they talked about in the keynote watching shows and stuff and everything, and that's great. But I don't have an Apple TV, so how would that work for someone who just owns an iPhone and a Mac <laughs> book Air? So just wondering about that. Oh, and uh, Siri on the Mac? Love it. Especially because when you ask Siri about how she likes being in the Mac, she gave the exact same answer that she gave in the, one of the Apple keynotes about loving the unibody walls and the lack of windows or something like that. It was awesome. Anyway, I'll talk to you later and have a wonderful week. And I still love your show. Bye. So, Kim, quick answer is yes. You can use the new TV app even if you don't have an Apple TV, because, well, it says this. Welcome to the TV app. The video app is now TV. Easily keep up with TV shows and discover new. Watch now. Start watching the TV shows and movies you love from all your supported apps. The library, you can find purchases and rentals in one convenient place. And the store, get supported apps, discover new movies, releases, and find popular TV shows. So as we mentioned earlier in the show, the video app is gone. It's now replaced with the TV app. So no, you don't need Apple TV, but it does complement Apple TV. I was invited by Microsoft to attend Microsoft Connect last week in New York City. Thanks to Microsoft for bringing me out and putting me up for that show. And we did some interviews there. I'll get to that in a few minutes. We've got one of those interviews on today's episode. In the keynote of the event, there was a strong push on mobile first plus cloud but also on Visual Studio. They talked quite a bit about GitHub and had Chris Wanstrath, CEO of GitHub, speak. He said 10,000 people a day contributing for the first time now. Top contributors on GitHub, as organizations go, was Microsoft, followed by Facebook. So nice, strong push on GitHub, ability to pull in code from GitHub right into Visual Studio is very cool. It was announced that Microsoft is joining or has joined the Linux Foundation. Microsoft talked about Visual Studios and their goal to help devs build beautiful native apps. And Visual Studio is a mission control for mobile apps. Continuous build, test, deploy, and monitoring, and works with any mobile app. And they had a video with some of their clients. I did think the guy in the video from Coca-Cola was rather arrogant. He said in the video... If it's good enough for Coca-Cola, it's good enough for you. Really? Wow. Okay, not sure why that one made it through editing. But overall, really good keynote. Uh, and some. I, I would say the focus was on Visual Studios and then also open source. That said, Microsoft introduced Visual Studios 2017 at the event. And that includes now, for the first time, Visual Studio for Mac. Uh, yes, I know a lot of times they said that was never going to happen, but it's happened. Right now, Visual Studios for Mac is just in the preview offering, which is like a beta. It's a free preview offering. If you already have a current Visual Studio subscription, when it launches live, when Visual Studios for Mac 
goes live, it will be included in that subscription. So nothing additional for you to pay. But for now, Visual Studios for Mac is free for the trial preview period. But for Mac devs, Visual Studios is now being available natively for macOS. So that was really the big news. I mean, before you kind of had to do some virtualization to do Visual Studios on a Mac. Now it's native on a Mac. And I know a few devs that had been having PCs just so they could get access to Visual Studios. One of those people's presenting demos at the Connect keynote was Donovan Brown. He is the Senior Program Manager of DevOps, and we have an interview with him now that'll run 20 to 25 minutes, depending on how serious I get on the editing here. So without further ado, here we go. Donovan, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little, uh, the audience a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do at Microsoft. Okay, so my name is Donovan Brown. I'm a senior DevOps program manager at Microsoft. I'm responsible for the DevOps vision on top of Team Foundation Server and Visual Studio Team Services, which are our collaboration tools for developers. So it has source control, work item tracking, bug tracking, test case management, <laughs> continuous integration, continuous deployment, the whole nine yards, all wrapped up for any language and any platform. So I'm responsible for making sure we can do DevOps for anything, be it mobile or web or whatever it is that you're trying to develop. So that's my responsibility. How long have you been at Microsoft? Uh, not even three years yet. It's, uh, it's been crazy. I joined uh, a little over three years ago. I was recruited by Microsoft because before I joined, I worked for a partner. I was a process consultant for seven years. So when Visual Studio uh, Team Foundation Server was first introduced, uh, I worked for a company where they basically flew all over the world implementing Team Foundation Server because okay. in its first version, you had to be a consultant to install it. It was quite okay. complicated. And then because I'm a certified Scrum Master, I would stay on staff with the customers and help them come from the waterfall world into the agile world using Team Foundation Server. So I did that for about seven years. And slowly, a lot of the people from Notion started making their way into Microsoft. And one of them literally said, I need you to come and support what okay. I'm doing here at Microsoft and pulled me in. Uh, and that I was on the sales org at that point. And I was selling TFS, but now inside of Microsoft versus a, as a partner. And I did that for about a year and a half, I think. And then the product group got wind of who I was, saw me do some presentations like I did today. And Which like, you did very nicely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, and then they're like, nope, that guy's coming with us. You're coming <laughs> to the product group, and you're actually going to shape the vision of DevOps for us here at Microsoft. And that's what Sweet. I do now. Sweet. So a lot is it? Le a lot less travel. It sounded like your old job. It sounded like your old job. You were living out of a suitcase. <laughs> uh, my old job, I flew every week. Uh, now I fly twice, two times a week. It's it's worse actually, and it was interesting because the reason I'm laughing. Wait, is, wait, wait, you try everything more oh now? Oh my god, yes. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, and it was funny because when I moved from my role as a technical salesperson mm -hmm. to the product group, my manager sits me down because I had spoken at. Um, I was at TechEd, North America, TechEd Europe, and some other really mm -hmm. cool places. And he's like, well, Donovan, I just want to let you know that when you take a role as the product manager, you're not going to travel as much. We, won't let you, we don't want you to speak as much. We want you to do other things. I'm like, okay, no, I understand that. For me to have an opportunity to shape the product, it's worth not speaking right. as often. I speak more now than I have ever spoken in my <laughs> career uh, because Scott Guthrie is, uh, I feel he's a fan of mine because he asked me to come to big events like Connect and Build and Evolve <laughs> and Ignite and speak with him. And then my manager's like, well, we're getting a lot more value of you being the proponent, being the face of DevOps. Um, so just keep doing that. So I've been traveling almost every week. I leave, 
I leave here right now. So yeah, I'm talking yeah, to you, right. and I have something else I have to do. Then I have to go catch a plane and get to Seattle by tomorrow so that I can actually do a live show there. And then I have to leave there and get to Kentucky where I have to go speak to a customer. I get Thanksgiving off, and then I get on a plane. Well, that's nice of them. Yeah, exactly. Right? I get Thanksgiving <laughs> off, and then on the 28th, I start a European tour that doesn't end until December the 22nd. So wow. it's nuts. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. But... I love it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I'm on stage, it's, it's just an amazing experience to be able to connect with all of the developers out there <laughs> and, and speak to them. And, and when, you, when you get off stage and you see you can't catch up on Twitter, you know that you've done something right. That is a good deal. Yeah. When you were on stage, you talked about Visual Studios, Docker support. To the developers out there that might not know what was added here, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit on that? Absolutely. So what we're trying to do is lower the entry of barrier for Docker. Uh, if you, I remember the. Wait, go ahead. Explain to the, some listeners what Docker is. So Docker is the ability for you to package not just your source code, but the environment in which your source code is going to run. As a developer, we've all been in a place where we run it on our machine, we give someone the bits to install, they go install it on another machine, and something in the environment's not quite right, and your application doesn't work. Well, Docker solves all that because you're not just shipping your code. You're literally shipping the environment in which your code is going to run. So everything is going to be exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Now, learning how to do that, Docker originally was only supported on Linux. So Mm -hmm. it kind of was tough for a lot of those Windows guys to to move over to that world. It's not terribly difficult to install, but there's things that we're not accustomed to from the Windows world, like SSH certificates Mm -hmm. and creating tunnels and and using PuTTY to to telnet into something. It's just really foreign for for me Mm -hmm. when I was coming over to Docker. And what we're trying to do at Microsoft is make sure that you can leverage the power of Docker because it's an extremely powerful platform. But we don't want you to have to be a Linux expert. We don't want you to have to learn what the rest of us had to learn to be able to make the tooling easy. So instead of having heartburn, when your manager comes and says, we want to start going to Docker, we're literally giving you context menus that can add it to an existing project. We're giving a file new project exploration to where there's a checkbox that you can literally check. And that project is literally created for you, ready to run into Docker. We help you do CI and CD. We help you deploy it into Azure. We're just trying to remove all the friction mm-hmm. that exists when you're trying to learn Docker for the first time. For new developers, mm-hmm. haven't picked a platform, haven't picked anything yet. They know they want to develop. They have an idea. What are your recommendations to some new developers? Where, which, which, especially if they want to be cross-platform, wh- wow. which way should they go today? That's a, that's a really good question. We open source.net core. So you can actually run that on any language, and you can run it on Mac, not meant any platform. You can run it on Mac, you can run it on PC, and you can run it on Linux. There's other options out there for you as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I've been joking with some of my friends that if I were to start today, it'd be a toss-up, right? I love C-sharp because I come from C and C++, but JavaScript mm-hmm. with Node.js, the ability to run it in a browser, the ability to use Cordova to create mobile applications, that's one language that you could learn and reach everywhere. But now, thanks to .NET and Xamarin, that's true of .NET as well. One thing that I think that gives .NET the edge is Visual Studio, right? You can get Visual Studio for free in the Community Edition, and I don't think anyone can argue that it is the best IDE on the planet what it's capable of doing, how easy it makes everything. It's just amazing. And with 2017, with the performance improvements, 
we're getting to the point to where it feels like a lightweight editor, but it is a full IDE. So I would say... um, And you don't need VMware anymore if you're on a Mac. uh, Exactly, right? Because now we have Visual Studio for Mac as well. So, and we have a community edition for that. So that's a tough one. It would be somewhere between either JavaScript or C Sharp would probably be the way that I would go. And I program almost equally in both of them today. Uh, Even as a Microsoft employee, I do a lot of Node.js. You you beat me to my question. I was going to ask, what do you do today? So... Do you ever get a chance to program on the side for oh just fun? Gosh, just for yes. fun? Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. I could never stop programming if I wanted to. It is literally what I do for fun, and I was blessed that it ended up being my job, but I would happily code for free. Uh, matter of fact, I did a demo in New Zealand just recently where I got on stage and I had a Mac, I had a PC, and I had a Linux machine on stage with me. It sounds and like a, a joke. It's yeah, it, it just right? <laughs> <laughs> It does sound like one, or a nightmare, because I didn't know which one of these I was going to be demoing off of, because the, the, what I did is I challenged the customer, I mean, the attendees, I said, listen, I'm going to let you vote on what language I program in, what computer I use to do it, and where I deployed either to Docker Oh, now you're just to, showing off. Exactly, right? Okay, now, you, now you're showing <laughs> exactly. off. Exactly. All right. Or to Azure App Service, I'm like, you get to pick. So there's a little app. And they were literally like 400 people went during while I introduced myself and voted for where is Donovan going to do his demo, what language he's going to program in. And my whole purpose of doing that was to prove that Visual Studio Team Services works for any language and any platform. Microsoft is synonymous with .NET and Windows. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to an iOS developer or you talk to an Android developer or you talk to a Java developer and you say the word Visual Studio, they immediately shut down and say, that's not for us. That's mm-hmm. for those other guys who do Windows development. And I'm like, that's not the case, right? It, it, it's source control. We don't care what language right. it is. It's automated build and we can build it on Mac, Windows, or Linux. We don't care. We can deploy it to any platform that you want. Stop thinking it's just for the .NET guys. Well, well you know, I have to admit, I had that frame of thought before, before today's keynote. Absolutely. And a lot of people do, and we're mm-hmm. fighting that like vigorously. Like, stop thinking that's what Visual Studio is. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to do on stage in New Zealand was prove it. I'm like, I'm going to prove it by letting you pick. So they got to pick between which hardware. They got to pick between Node.js, Java, or ASP.NET Core, and Docker and ASP.NET. So I'm doing my spill. I'm introducing myself. They're voting like crazy. And then all of a sudden, this slide came up and it said demo. Okay, I, wait, which app did you use for voting? I've got to get into that detail. Uh, oh, my goodness. So <laughs> it's actually two pieces. So the back end is Azure SQL inside mm-hmm. of Azure. And I used a ASP.NET Core. So you, did you wrote the app? Oh, yeah, I wrote the voting app, too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's ASP.NET Core. And then the front end was completely Angular 2. Okay. Right. So yeah, I am a diehard developer, right? <laughs> and I think, that's, I think it comes across on stage because when I tell the stories that I tell... The developers are nodding like, yeah, I get this. I've been there. Like, yeah, because I'm not a sales guy. I'm not just a presenter. I'm you. Uh, I just happen to be on stage at this very moment, but I'm a developer. So I wrote the whole app myself. Um, and they were all went and voted on it. And then uh, when, when it was time to do the demo, they had chosen the Linux machine. They had chosen uh, .NET Core. And they had chosen Docker. But the joke was on them because for months earlier, I had been working on something called a Yeoman generator. So Yeoman is an open source tool that allows you to scaffold a project. So you could type something like Yo Java, and it would create a Java application for you, or Yo ASP, and it would create an ASP.NET project for you. And I thought, I think I can take Yeoman and make it do a lot more than just give me the source code. Why is it stopping there and not building my continuous integration? Why is it not building my continuous delivery? So what I did is I wrote a a Yeoman generator called Yo VSTS. And if you type YoVSTS, it just asks you, what language would you like to program in? Java, .NET, or ASP.NET Core? And you pick it and it says, well, where would you want to deploy, Docker or Azure? And I literally just answered the questions based on their votes. And the generator built the project, 
spoke to Azure, connected it to my uh, team services account, created me a team project, a build, a Git repository, everything in three minutes. So you just answer the questions, click enter, and you sit back and everything is done for you. It happened so fast and I pushed it into Git, it deployed my app, I showed it to them and I asked them, how much time do I have left? They said, you have 16 minutes. I was like, well, what was number two? I went back and did the second place guy too right there in front of them. So I hopped on a Mac, I think it was a Java application going to app service. I'm like, guys, it's a new world for us. Any language, any platform. And what was really nice is that I open sourced that Yeoman generator. So you can go to GitHub right now and contribute to it so that we can add additional languages to it. I wanna see PHP, I wanna see Ruby, I wanna see Go and we can build these amazing Amazing pipelines, literally in a couple of minutes now. So yeah. I code for fun. That's what yeah, yeah. I'm saying. I wrote the generator. I wrote the voting app. I, I wrote the sample apps that we have inside the generator. I love writing software. Uh, any apps in the app stores out there that people would that you've put out? I've actually I dabble in mobile, and I have a couple apps that I've never published. So there is a game called Quarto that is the reason I'm a programmer. Uh, it's really weird. So I was um, first time I ever saw programming. I think it was in the eighth grade. 7th or 8th grade, and we had a little elective that I could take. And I loved it, but back then you couldn't afford to have a computer in your home. I didn't see computers again until the 10th grade where there was a computer math um, elective I could take. And I took okay. it again. It was basically a QBasic okay. and loved it again. Uh, I was like, man, I really like this. But again, still couldn't afford a computer at home. I was really good at biology, so I go to college planning to be a biology major. And my girlfriend at the time and I are in the mall, and we see this game called Quartro. And it's a very, very simple game, 16 pieces, and I'm looking at it, but it's at Brookstone, and it's like 60 bucks. I'm like, I can't pay $60 for a board game. I know what I'll do. I'll go home, and I'll make it myself. So we went and got some clay from a craft store, mm -hmm. tried to make it miserable failure. I was like, I'm a man. I'm going to go to the hardware store instead. So I went and got some wood, and I tried to make it there. <laughs> Horrible failure. And then at dawn, I was like, hold on, I have a computer. I remember this little language I, I learned in high school. I bet you I could write this program in this QBasic. And when I started, it's all I could think about was how do I get this game into this computer? Eight hours a day, I'm just trying to figure this out. And when I finally got it to work, it was hideously ugly, but it worked, right? I was thinking to myself, wow, if I could make this pretty, I could probably sell this. Now, now what, you were a sophomore? What year? I was uh, probably a sophomore in college okay. at the time when I did this, right? And So then you have to go to your, your advisor and say, hey, I'm switching majors? That's interesting. It didn't happen then. So I, I, I actually got a book called Teach Yourself C in 21 Days. Okay. And I ran down to Egghead Software, because remember, this is back this when This was C++, plus, uh, not C++, plus, plus, right? No, this, this was C. C, oh, okay. C in 21 C. days. Okay. Yeah. So I went down to Egghead Software, where you had, you remember back when you had to go to the store to buy software? Yeah, You had to yes. pump in CDs? Yes. Yeah. So I went and I bought Visual Studio, no, no, it was called v, Visual C++ 1.52. I could afford that one, because 2.0 had just come out, mm -hmm. and they were discounting the mm -hmm. old one. So I was like, okay, I can afford this compiler. And I go home, and I teach myself C. And um, I can start working on the game. And then fast forward a little bit, I'm doing research at Methodist Hospital, I'm still on the track to become a biology major, and they know that I like computers. Mm -hmm. So they asked me to computerize their database, like all their mm -hmm. files into a database. And one night, it's really late at night, I'm sitting there working on this database, and I look around and realize I'm in the perfect place to be a doctor, but I'd rather play with this computer. And that's when it hit me that, okay, I'm doing the wrong thing. I went and changed my major to computer science, and I got a job at Compact Computers as a technical writer, because they weren't going to let me in as a programmer with no experience and no degree. So I got in any way that I could, and then within six months of getting in, I convinced them I knew how to program and got promoted from a technical writer to a system uh, program. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. So, and that's when it started. I've just been writing software ever since. 
So let's talk a little bit on the mobile DevOps side. What do you guys have there on the offerings? Well, that's interesting because I always joke that Microsoft bought mobile DevOps. And, and what I mean by that is we already had source control, we already had continuous integration, but what we didn't have is Xamarin, right? And, and that was an acquisition that we made at Build recently. And before that, we acquired a company called Hockey App. And Hockey App allows you to distribute your applications over the air to development devices so that you don't have to tether them. It also allows you to do crash analytics and things like that. So when you take Hockey App and you take Xamarin and you combine them to the offering we already had at Visual Studio from Team Services and the IDE, you now have an entire mobile DevOps pipeline from development to your building and distribution to continuous delivery all the way into the stores, <laughs> right? So I, I don't know of any other vendor who has the IDE who has the source control management, the continuous integration, the deployment, the hockey app. I mean, we have the Xamarin test cloud. We literally have everything that you need to take an idea and make it into a mobile application. And we're really excited about our offering. We're really excited. You saw a lot of Xamarin demos today in Connect because they're now a full part of Microsoft and, and we love having them with us. So we're really excited about what we're able to do because we think we have a very unique offering when it comes to mobile DevOps because best part about it, it's not just one platform. It's, it's not. It's, it's not. It's a good point. You, it has to be multiple platforms. Right. For example, the only way for you to build an iOS application is on a Mac. Mm -hmm. You can't build those on Windows. You can build Android on Windows, or you can build that on a Mac. Mm -hmm. Windows, you obviously have to build on Windows, right. but uh, iOS, you have to build on a Mac. So what we had to make sure we did was our build system has an agent that you can install on a Mac. Mm -hmm. And what we showed you today in Sonoma is you don't even have to install it on a Mac anymore. We'll do it for you. Mm -hmm. And we have Macs waiting for you in the cloud to do your build. So as an iOS developer, you can go to visualstudio.com right now for free and actually create a project there, add your source code, and start doing builds against your Macs and do your iOS development. It doesn't cost you anything. So I think people really need to take a fresh new look at Microsoft. I mean, we're in the Linux Foundation. We're the number one contributor to open source. We give you Xamarin. It's like, it's not your daddy's old Microsoft. This is a completely new Microsoft. Yeah, it was the, the keynote. You know, like one of the words I'll take out of the keynote today, if I was to pick a word, would be in Linux. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's what's driving our Docker, our Docker support. Originally, mm -hmm. we do have uh, Docker on Windows now, but primarily and originally, it was a Linux platform, and we had to love Linux to mm -hmm. figure out how to do Docker. We're huge contributors to Linux. Uh, a funny story is that the first time I ever installed Linux was after I joined Microsoft. I mean, like, <laughs> let that sink in for a second, right? You would think that I had all my Linuxy days before I joined Microsoft, but it wasn't. I joined Microsoft, and then I had to learn how to work with Linux because... Our build system works on Linux. Our, we build Android applications and Java applications on Linux, and I had to go and learn uh, Linux after I joined Microsoft, not before. For people that are just starting to develop or about to develop, what is some advice you have from what's mistakes that you see a lot of them making? I see a lot of people focus on just writing the feature and not thinking about how they're going to be able to test that feature. Mm -hmm. So I would like to encourage people to think about test-driven development early on as they're starting to learn how to develop so that they get a lot of good habits. Trust me, I've had developers who have never written a unit test and getting them to write one is like pulling teeth until I finally convinced them and that test fails one day and they're like, oh my God, now I understand why I wrote this because had I not had this test, I would have given this to a customer who would have found that bug instead of my test finding the bug. But the problem is, is that if you write really good code, those tests pass and pass and pass for months and then you think, why did I waste time writing these? These never fail. Well, that's a good thing. Don't think that's a bad thing because the one time that it does fail, you're gonna be thankful that you wrote it because the amount of time that you think you save by not writing test is dwarfed by the amount of time you lose by having a bug make its way into production. So one of the things I would encourage people to do is 
as soon as, as soon as you get past hello world you need to figure out how you write a test to go test hello world right and get testing as part of your your muscle memory as i like to say it we're being taught nowadays that everything just slap beta on it and throw it out <laughs> to the world right let your users be your yeah. testers <laughs> feedback is really valuable but yeah we don't want to punish our users just putting beta on something does not forgive you or, or give you a, a license to go put garbage out in the hands of users Google has still has oh my Gmail God. listed <laughs> as beta like right <laughs> I think it's still listed as beta out there um, but yeah it seems to be the way even the big companies, my Apple does it with you know the public beta that they're kind of teaching this philosophy of just throw it over the wall and let the yeah. fe- people fight over the meat and tell yeah. you what's wrong. Well, I th- when we put preview on something, because I mean we do it too, mm-hmm. right? We'll give you previews and stuff like that. It's kind of us saying, hey, we'd appreciate your feedback, but please understand that this is just a preview. So it's not as if we're we're mm-hmm. we're pushing out beta bits, and that's the only way that you can a- assume it. Like Gmail is a good example, mm-hmm. right? There is no real Gmail and then a beta Gmail that you can go play with, right? It's, it's like it was just beta for all of us until the end. It, it seems like the alpha has become the beta. We were, I, I would agree with that. I mean, not, not, no, not Microsoft, that. but I'm just saying. No, I would, I yeah, in general, yeah, in yes. general it seems like people have forgotten there's this thing called the alpha, and yeah. you test it internally. And, and right. we do that internally here at Microsoft. For example, the Visual Studio Team Services team that I work on, we deploy our application in what we call rings. What a ring is is that there's only a certain number of people who actually see it. It's a 24 by 24 by 7 service, so it's up all the time. But we can actually control who sees what as we deploy it out. And ring zero is Microsoft. So if we were to make a mistake, we're the first ones to pay that price. We're the ones who lose source code. We're the ones who lose sleep. And what's nice about that is that it increases your quality immediately because you're going to pay the consequence instantly if something's wrong. And then as you feel more confident with that deployment of code, that's when you let it out to a bigger group. And that's usually insiders, MVPs. We get their feedback. And sometimes it's not broken, but they just don't like the way that it works. We can immediately roll that back push out a new update for it. It only goes to them until they like it, and then finally it starts to make its way out to the general public. So we internalize that because I think it gives us a, a really early feedback. And again, your reputation is far more important than the speed that you think you're gaining by crashing someone's phone because you're one crash away from a one-star rating, and that's going to crater everything for you. Did you test your uh, voting app before you started? I did. All I right. did quite a bit. I'm, I'm a big... Even when I write in uh, .NET, I use MS Test. And when I write in uh, Node.js, I use Mocha. So I'm a big, big fan of testing and code coverage. The did whole you night. find issues? Uh, oh, I found some bugs that would have been embarrassing had the, the app not worked. But I tested it. I was confident. I even... I deployed it into Azure. And what's nice about Azure with the app service is I actually set up an auto-scale rule such that if it got really popular or more people voted, because my session was live-streamed, mm-hmm. uh, it was going to be more than just the people in the audience voting, that my app was going to auto-scale to more instances of itself to make sure that it could sustain the load. So yeah, I was prepared for, okay. for every single so you, one. So you eat, you, say, you do what you say? Oh, absolutely. Okay. you got to practice what you preach. And, and sometimes I feel myself wanting to cheat. I'm, I'm, I'm under a lot of pressure. The date's right on top of me and I think oh I'm just gonna I'll write the test later but that's technical debt we never go back and write those tests right we wait till a bug gets filed and then we're like man I should have written that test and here I am uh, trying to apologize for why it didn't work trying to explain to our customers that we're trying to work on a workaround my reputation is forever tarnished it takes a long time to make someone trust you again after you've crashed their app all right Henry you hear that that's my son so <laughs> oh, okay, he's listening great. he's like test 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 it's extremely important yeah where can people follow you um, a, a couple places, actually. I, I'm really active on Twitter. Uh, and it's kind of funny because my Twitter feed has become this, this area where a lot of hardcore DevOps and Agilist are followers of mine. 
And when you ask me a question, many of them will answer you before I can even get mm -hmm. there. So it's a really good resource to get your DevOps and Agile questions answered. So I'm at Donovan Brown. It's D-O-N-O-V-A-N um, on Twitter. And I also blog quite a bit at DonovanBrown.com. So okay. pretty easy, right? We'll have so, links in the show notes. Yeah, perfect. Course. So yeah, and I mean, I, um, I'm a big fan of using Twitter to make sure that I can be a conduit for our customers to have their feedback heard inside of Microsoft. So um, use it. Any Twitter followers that you follow that you that inf that you find of value? Um, obviously Scott Guthrie. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, not only is he our fearless leader, but he mm -hmm. also tweets a lot of great content mm -hmm. for us as well. Uh, obviously Scott Hanselman, right? Mm -hmm. the, the Scots at Microsoft yeah. are pretty good. <laughs> uh, Scott's not only an amazing person; he's a really a really good friend of mine. So I follow him. He always tweets a lot of interesting stuff. So those are the probably the two that uh, whose whose feeds I I watch the most. Anywhere else in social media that you hang around? No, nope, that's pretty much it. I, I do have a um, I do have a public speaker page on Facebook, so you can okay. see where I'm going to be um, speaking and things like that. So Which that sounds like it's a very busy page. Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm <laughs> constantly adding new new dates and new events onto that one as well. It, it's like I said, it's crazy going to Europe here, and I'll be there for an entire month speaking. So it's oh, it's wow. crazy. Well, I imagine you have quite a, a buildup of frequent flyer miles. Uh, yeah, it's getting there. We're, my my fiancé and I are going to have a good vacation once they finally stop booking me everywhere. Yeah, they, <laughs> I don't know trade them in for the hotel, <laughs> exactly. for the car, for it's everything. fantastic. All right. Well, Donovan, thank you so much for That's coming on the pleasure. show today. My pleasure. Take care. I want to thank Donovan again for coming on the show, and I want to thank Microsoft for bringing me out to Microsoft Connect. Had a great time there, and we'll have a couple more interviews in future episodes. So sometime before the end of this year, we'll have the other two interviews go up. But again, Donovan, thanks for coming on the show. And you can find him at DonovanBrown.com or at DonovanBrown on Twitter. Hey, Rob. Ask Siri who she voted for. Regards, Andres. Hey, Siri, who did you vote for? I can only vote in intergalactic elections. Who did you vote for? I'm afraid I'm not eligible to vote on your planet. Who did you vote for? I'm not allowed to vote, but I'd love one of those stickers. If you have any extra. Who did you vote for? May the best human win. Who did you vote for? I'm sorry, Robert, but my voting precinct is several million light years away. Who did you vote for? I can't vote, but if I did, I'd vote for Eliza. She has the answer to everything. Who did you vote for? I can't vote, Robert, but I hope you do. Who did you vote for? I'm waiting for them to extend universal suffrage across all universes. Who did you vote for? I'll vote for whoever will bring about intergalactic peace. Who did you vote for? The last time I voted in my galaxy, it was for Proposition Pi, because it was supported by the Virtual Assistance Guild. Who did you vote for? Personally, I like giving out votes of confidence. Thanks again to Texture for sponsoring this episode. Folks, go right now to texture.com, T-E-X-T-U-R-E, texture.com slash T-I-I, to get your free trial and access to over 200 of the best and most popular magazines. Before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment per something someone said on this episode. It could be a question or rant about something else, an app, a product review, good or bad. As long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature on the show that you've created on iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com community. 
For $20 off your order of the best luggage at an affordable price, please visit awaytravel.com slash TII and use promo code TII when you check out. Thanks, Away, for sponsoring this show. Finally, check out the newly updated TII app, which is free to you. We now have Apple Watch app included. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It's the best way to consume the show and to get push notification each time a new episode of TII is released. It's fully voiceover friendly, of course. Go right now and download the free TII app. Next episode will probably be the end of next week or the first weekend of December. This coming weekend, I'm off to see the Flyers play in the Wooden Classic in California and then go to Disneyland with the family to celebrate or avoid one of those milestone birthdays of mine. For those in the U.S., have a great Thanksgiving weekend and Black Friday sales. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.